The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. My name is Tyler. I never really grew up with a strong faith. I believe that something created humanity and I chose to call that being God. But I always had more questions than an actual relationship and understanding. Throughout middle school and high school, I was always that dark kid. I listened to a lot of metal music, loved horror movies. So naturally, I tried to find those who shared that same interest. I found that. With that, I also found drugs, alcohol, sex, atheism, and more questions. Drugs and alcohol were never really my thing, but I became wise for my new friends. I got good at giving advice in life, love, and relationships in the way that the world constantly feeds us. I would often use that knowledge to take advantage of girls. At this point, I was also embracing atheism never really caring about an external judgment, doubting if there was even a God at all. At this point, I was truly lost at life. Perhaps you can relate to Tyler. See, many of us, we struggle quietly with this, with this guilt over the questions we have about ourselves, about God and our beliefs. And you see this doubt, it's, it's like an enemy to our life. It's an enemy to our soul because it strangles our conviction. It runs away our, our courage and it makes us question, question ourselves, question God at his word, question his plan for our lives. I know for me personally, when, when tragedies, when pain, when, when loss occurs, you start to, start to question, you start to wrestle with this, with this doubt. God, where are you in the midst of this hurricane? Where are you in the midst of, of the, the, the earthquake? God, where are you in the midst of this riot? Where are you in the midst of this shooting? And you start to wonder when bad things happen, where in the world is God? And if he is there, is he even strong enough? Is he even good enough to help? See, his doubts of God only reserved for the Tylers of this world, the cynicals, the agnostics, the atheists, the, the skeptics, or do you here today, you have your own sets of doubts of God too? You know, I find it really interesting, the kind of things that we place our faith in, the kind of things that we, we, we put our doubt in. It's easy for us to, to just pass off our trust with God and place it on another thing, not necessarily bad things, it's just other things. When was the last time you doubted that the light would turn on when you flipped the switch? When was the last time you doubted that the water would actually come out when the, the faucet was on? When was the last time you doubted that the pew that you're sitting on right now would not all of a sudden just collapse under the weight of your bottoms? When was the last time you doubted those things? Why don't we doubt those things? Why? Because over and over and over again, those things have proven themselves to be successful, but what about God? Over and over and over again, God has proven himself not just to be successful, but sovereign, in control, all-knowing, all-powerful in our lives and in the story of Scripture, but yet we still say, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I still have my own questions about you. Has the electricity and the lights ever got turned off? Yeah, probably. Has the water ever stopped running? Yeah, certainly. Has, has the seat ever broke? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But has God ever failed? No. You see, our, our doubt of God is really rooted in a doubt of ourselves. We, we start doubting ourselves and all of a sudden has a weird way of trickling down and determining our doubt of God and our doubt for God. 
And we, the, the yous and me's of this world, we're not alone. See, with tears and, and fears, we, we pen out this life story, and it's got sentences. Sentences of confusion and even paragraphs of doubts and difficult questions. And I'm not sure if you could relate to me or not, but I know for me, there's been moments in my life where I've doubted even the dependability of the Bible. I've doubted the very presence and the existence of God in my life. Like, God, where were you when my father had the stroke? God, where were you when, when my mom had the brain aneurysm? Where were you during my accident, God? Where, where were you? And, and I started to doubt my faith. And you see, our story, our life story is just a bunch of strings of before and afters, of won'ts and can'ts and shouldn't haves and wish I could have done's. Can I tell you today, your problem is not the doubt of God. Because God is bigger than our doubts. He's bigger than our questioning, than what is the actual problem. We find it really unlikely that God would actually use us and choose us and, and show up in our situation. God, wouldn't you want to have a more likely situation for you to show up in? God, wouldn't you want to use a more likely candidate to, to be used mightily by you? Wouldn't you want someone that's a little bit more trusting than me? Wouldn't you want someone that had a little less question than, than I do? Wouldn't you want to have someone that was a little bit more obedient? Someone with a little bit more, more faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 is what we consider the, the hall of faith. It's a compilation of all these individuals who God used mightily in their feats of faith. And the author writes about a guy named Gideon. And this is what he says in verse 32. Check this out. It says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, about Barak, about Samson, about Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of the lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign Armies. I'm not sure about you guys, but that's exactly how I want the end of my life to look like. Everybody wants the end of their life to have this fairy tale ending of courage, of victory, of triumph. And you may be saying, well, Gideon doesn't seem so unlikely at all. He looks like the likely candidate for God. This guy was strong in battle. This guy turned his weakness to strength, and he rerouted armies. This guy was a man of faith. He made it to the chapter. He made it to the book. He was totally the likely choice. I would have picked him, but I'm a, I'm a bit unlikely, though. You see, the, the doubts that we have in ourselves is rooted from the fact that we start to compare our behind-the-scenes with someone else's highlight reels. You're watching ESPN all over here in someone else's life, and I'm, and I'm Facebook Live and over here, all right? You're, you're, you're seeing their final destination, and you're trying to compare it with your current situation, and it just doesn't add up. You're starting to say, God, how, how can I get there? How do I end up in that destination while all I see is doubt in front of me? But what is true for Gideon it's true for every single one of us in this room and those watching online, it's this. What you see in the end is not always what it seems in the start. Turn to someone next to you and say, I'm just starting. I'm just starting. When you look at the start of Gideon's life, you start to see how unlikely of a choice he really was and how much like him 
we really are. And so in Judges chapter 6, you see the nation of Israel, they're in complete rebellion towards God. They started to worship false idols. They built up altars and symbols to their false god, altar of Baal, and they had this Asherah pole, all these symbols signifying their, their, their God that they wanted to worship, and their hearts turned away from God, so God turned them over to their enemies, the Midianites. So for seven years, they were tortured tormented. They were in deep terror, hiding in unlikely places. Everything in their land was completely gone. Their people was dispersed everywhere. And God raises up an unlikely individual to rescue the people out of the hand of Midian. Here where we find Gideon's story starts. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Oprah. I'm talking about Winfrey here, y'all. What belonged to Joash, the Abysrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders and our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So, there was nothing special, nothing likely about this guy named Gideon. He was just an average young man living with an inconsequential family during a traumatic time in Israel's life. He was just trying to survive. And so his hometown, Oprah, was right there at the, at the border of Midian. So it made it one of the first places that he was tacked. And so here's where you find Gideon, threshing wheat in a wine press. We can easily read past that except for the fact that it's pretty unusual and it's a pretty unlikely place because you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You crush grapes in a wine press. You see, in the threshing of the wheat process, you're on top of a hill out in the open. You're allowing the wind to help you thresh the wheat and the wine press was this hidden cellar place. And, and God shows up in that hidden place, in that fearful place, and he speaks to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And all of a sudden, all these doubts with God starts popping up out of Gideon's mouth. And says, if you were really with us, why did you abandon us? If you were really with us, where's all the wonders? Where are, where's all the miracles that, that our ancestors told us about? Where, where's all the good things that everyone told us about? Where's all that? If you were really with us, you, you wouldn't put us here in captivity. And I love how God didn't respond to the doubt that Gideon had of him because there was a deeper doubt that God wanted to address. And this is how God responds to him. He says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can, you, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So he doesn't address the doubts. He says, go in the strength you have and save the people of Israel. And all of a sudden, the, the deeper doubt starts coming out. But God, I'm the weakest. But God, my, my family is the lowest. But God, my, my clan has the, the least amount of significance. Are you sure you didn't make a mistake? Are you sure you got the, the right person? And sometimes we may be asking ourselves the same thing. God, are you, aren't, you, aren't you looking for someone a little bit stronger than I am? Don't you want someone who's got their family all squared away? Then 
more than mine? Don't you want someone who, who's got a little bit more trust in you? But God says, am I not sending you? And he sends them with this promise, I will be with you. And he commands them to do this thing. He says, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal. The altar that has been built up that turned your hearts away from me, I want you to tear it down. The altar of fear in your life that you built up, that you've been running to, I want you to tear it down. The altar of depression that you filled up and built up in your life, I want you to tear that down. The altar of anxiety that you built up in your life, I want you to tear those things down. The altar of the stressful thing that's been leading to all your doubts, I want you to tear it down. And then cut down the Asher pole beside it. And check out what he tells him to do. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, using the wood of the Asher pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. And in the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asher pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on this newly built altar. So what God literally had to do was he told him, I want you to demolish this altar of Baal. And right beside it, I know the Asher pole, that symbol of, of, of you segregating your life and focusing on worshiping false idols, I want you to cut it down and I want you to use it as firewood. Firewood for the offering that I want you to place on this new altar I'm calling you to build. Sometimes God will use the very fear that has been instilled in us as fuel for what he wants to do through us. He said, on top of this height, I want you to build a new altar. You may be thinking, how can God use my fears? How can God use my doubt? God uses the rubble of the broken altar of Gideon and said, I'm, I'm building you a new thing. He uses your fear as a foundation and a fuel for something else. And so what can we gain from this passage of scripture? That we can attain God's promises in the middle, in the midst of, of our doubt. Because much like Gideon, we have our own sets of fears, our own sets of doubts, where we fear our circumstances rather than having the faith and the courage to face it. But what God does is he uses unlikely people, unlikely doubters, unlikely questioners, unlikely skeptics, like you and I, to demonstrate this great amount of courage, not in spite of our fear, but through it. What if I told you that the door that leads to the destiny of God in your life, the promises of God in your life, has you walking through the hallway of your doubts first? So if you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take some notes. So in your program, there's a little place to take notes. If you haven't downloaded the app already, there's a little note section there, a little cool note section there. Download Lifehouse Church MD. If you guys are tuning in online, there's a note section there as well. Because here's the truth that we want to go from our hand to our head and down to our hearts so that it becomes a habit in our lives to transform our lives. It's this. We must live by faith. That's it. Live by faith, but it's easier said than done because our struggle is that we believe that our doubt is the end of the story. We believe that our doubt exposes God and the lack of God, and our doubt is the end of our faith. But can I just tell you today that doubt is not the end of faith, it's merely the foundation of it. 
Sometimes it's just the very beginning of it, and, and God wants to, to build something more on that because what God does is he adds an unlikely comma in that fearful sentence that you felt like was a never-ending sentence. He adds an unlikely page to the place where you felt that the chapter of doubt has just covered this entire book of your life. Not because we're full of faith, it's because God is faithful and God is unfailing. And I'm sure every single one of us would say, I don't want to live my life with regrets. I don't want to live my life with doubts. I don't want to live my life with fear. As a matter of fact, I want to live my life in such a way that I end up in, in that chapter that you were talking about earlier today with courage, with victory, with triumph, with faith, success, and significance. But can I just tell you, all of that stuff is impossible. Like God telling Gideon, go in your own strength and save the people of Israel. He knew that that was impossible. He said, God, I'm weak. Absolutely. You and I are weak because we are born with this nature. A nature that destroys and leaves us powerless against fear. Like the people of Israel, they felt completely powerless against their enemy, the Midianites. We are left powerless to our fear and leads us to our destruction and our own ruin. And this nature is what biblical authors call sin. Sin is any action, any thought that, that, that goes contrary to who God is, and, and this sin destroys us internally. It leaves our, our minds and our hearts troubled, completely in chaos and in crisis mode, in fear and in hiding, and it trickles down and destroys us eternally and separates us from God and all things good forever, experiencing the wrath of God for all of eternity. But God... But God, I love how God interjects his story in the midst of our story. He, he sends his son, much like how he sent an angel of God in the middle of Gideon hiding, in the middle of, of a fearful situation, he sends an angel of God. In the middle of our hiding, in the middle of our fear, he sends his son Jesus. You see, Jesus was the better Gideon. Gideon came to rescue the people of Israel out of the hands of Midian. Jesus came to rescue us out of the hands of sin. Gideon tore the altar of Baal and the Asherah pole. Jesus tore the altar of sin out of our hearts and in our lives that have altered us. And so in his death, he defeated death once and for all. So that those that would believe in Jesus Christ by faith would be completely forgiven. But out of the rubble of all the broken altars, out of the rubble of all the, the broken symbols of us running to our fears and doubts, God was building something new, and he resurrected his son back from the grave to build something new so that those that would believe in Christ by faith would not just be forgiven, they would have new life. We, in our lives, become the new altars of God, devoted wholly to God by living by faith. See, God's spirit makes his home into our spirit, and there's a, there's a spiritual exchange. Fear moves out, say, bye, Felicia, and faith moves in. Faith moves in, and the spirit of God now fuels us to live by faith. So how do we live by faith? I want to give you two complimentary thoughts today. The first is this. To live by faith, you have to be Faith-filled. You have to be faith-filled. So here's what Judges chapter 6 says. The angel of the Lord came and sat down on the oak of Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? Whatever fills you spills out of you. Whatever fills you spills out of you. And the words that fills your heart will determine how you walk throughout your life. And the constant narrative for the nation of Israel was this. It was hide, run, terror, and then how they lived their life was they were living fearful rather than faith-filled. And so here's Gideon in the wine press hiding what little wheat he had because the, the words that's been filling his heart and what's been spilling out of his life was get what little you have and keep it away from the many nights before they take it all. And in the middle of him hiding, God finds him. In the middle of his doubt, God shows up. You may be here saying that, well, I need to be a likely candidate for God to show up. I need to have a certain level of faith in order for God to show himself up in my situation, for him to, to use my life. But what if I told you God wants to show up in your fear too? What if I told you God wants to show up in the messy situation that you're in too? What if, what if I told you God wants to show up in your hiding place too? God wants to show up in the middle of that divorce too. That God wants to show up in the middle of that layoff too. God wants to show up in the middle of that doctor's report when they say it's cancer too. And God showed up in Gideon's life and he spoke. And I love what an unlikely person by a man named Paul said about faith. He was so unlikely because he used to kill Christians and when God chose him, he says, I want you to make more Christians. And he said this in, in the book of Romans, to his letter to the people of Rome. He says this about faith in chapter 10. He says, so faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. What are you hearing this morning? Are you listening to your situation and what your circumstances are saying right now? Are you hearing the naysayers? Are you, are you hearing the voice of doubt? Are you hearing the voice of fear? stress, anxiety, and terror, what, what are you hearing? Because that will determine how you're going to walk through life. And what Gideon heard was, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. I love what God said, but I also love what God didn't say. God didn't say the Lord was with you and you were a mighty warrior when you used to act like that. The Lord was with you, and you were a mighty warrior when you used to worship this way. The Lord was with you when you used to dress like this. Or the Lord will be with you, and you will be a mighty warrior when you start, when you start serving more. You will be a mighty warrior when you, when you have this level of faith, when you start talking to your spouse this way, when you start treating your kids this way, and when you start doing all these things in your community. The Lord will be with you, and you will be a mighty warrior then. Now, what he said was, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you in the middle of your fear, Gideon. The Lord is with you in the middle of your confusion, in the middle of your doubt, in the middle of your chaos, Gideon. The Lord is with you in the middle of your struggle and in the middle of your storm. And what he said to Gideon, he says to you and me today, you are a mighty warrior. Turn to someone next to you and say, you are a mighty warrior. 
That's right. You're a mighty warrior. Look, I don't know what you're going through, but you're a mighty warrior. Not because you're brave. This ain't that pep rally kind of talk, all right? Not because you're strong. Not because you got it all together. You're a mighty warrior because God is with you. That's what, that's what Gideon heard. You're a mighty warrior. Don't allow what you see to, to be louder than what God says. See, the way that we can change our perspective about the problems that we're facing right now, about the fears that we're facing right now, is we got to change our proximity. We can give Gideon a, a whole bunch of hard time right now because he was hiding. But can I tell you, sometimes God puts us in a hiding place to speak to us. Sometimes God allows those situations to happen so that we can be isolated and away from the proximity of our problems and in the proximity of his presence. And so he was in the presence of God and God had to close, close the gap so that he can speak to him. He said, I am with you. And perhaps right now you need to know that God is with you. Whether you find yourself in hiding or you find yourself in the open, know that God is with you. And if God is with me, I can walk through anything. That means I can walk through chaos because God is with me and he can speak to the chaos calm. I can walk through a helpless situation because God is with me and he can speak to that helpless situation hope. I can walk through this fearful situation because I know that God is with me and he can speak faith into it. God is with you. When God is with you, he can speak to you. And if he speaks to you, he can fill you with faith. What are you hearing? I want you to hear the rest of Tyler's story. I was just coming out of a bad relationship when I met a girl who would eventually introduce me to Lifehouse. Not really being much of a church person, I mostly agreed just to go to hang out with her. Even though I attended, I was never really engaged. The only reason I stuck around was to be with her and to watch at the time our worship pastor, Corey Broadwater, play music. I didn't really care about the rest of the teachings. I was still stuck in the same old addictions and dark ways of life. I didn't really connect with this purpose that Patrick was speaking about. And at the end of the day, I was always left with more questions than answers. It wasn't until about nine months in that I had my first-hand encounter with God. I was at this youth event now known as YouthCon, and I was told that this event was more like a concert than an actual church service, which was the only reason why I agreed to go. Now, while at YouthCon, for the first time, I started to feel like the way I was aimlessly going about life was all wrong. Slowly, all that shame, guilt, brokenness, that I'd kept out for so long was starting to creep into my heart. With tears running down my face, I finally fell to my knees and started begging to a God who I never really cared about before. It was then that a youth pastor's group that I wasn't even with came over and started praying over me. They told me if I wanted all of the shame, brokenness, and guilt gone, I needed to submit and ask Jesus to enter my life. And only then I would understand my purpose and I could be free. And that was the first time that I asked Jesus Christ to enter my life. Throughout the next few years, that youth pastor would become a mentor of mine, and he would lead me to a life focused on Jesus that I never cared about before. Since getting to know God, my faith has grown in Him, and so has a desire to learn more about Jesus. The doubt that I was once stricken with has since been replaced with peace and understanding. I've since found my own personal calling in both tech and youth ministries, and I'm able to use that to worship and bring glory to His name. I now have the desire to mentor students who share the same doubts and struggles I once had. 
and lead them to a life of better understanding and purpose. For the first time in my life, I can say that I'm no longer lost, and I now have a better understanding of my purpose. Man, we are so, so proud of Tyler. Atheist turned devoted, faith-filled, faithful follower of Jesus. What? What you see in the end is not always what it seems like in the start. You're just starting. You're just starting. Don't count yourself out. God's still in control. Lastly is this. To live by faith, you have to be faithful. It says, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asher pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height, using the wood of the Asher pole that you cut down off of the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than the daytime. And in the morning when the people of the town got up, there, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asher pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrifice on this newly built altar. So if being faith-filled is a result to listening to the Word of God, then being faithful is a result of living the Word of God, being obedient to it. So Scripture tells us that Gideon obeyed. He listened. He did everything the Lord told him to do, but he was, he was still afraid. Did you catch when he actually obeyed? He said, I want to do it at nighttime, God, because I was still afraid of my family. I was, I was still afraid of my townspeople, but I'll, I'll, I'll still obey. I'll still be faithful. Being faithful doesn't mean you'll never have fear. Being faithful, as a matter of fact, doesn't mean that you'll never have a doubt. Later on, you'll see in Gideon's life, that he, he still had moments where he doubted God. He doubted himself and said, God, why me? I'm unlikely. God shows up. And when God shows up, he speaks. And when he speaks, he intends to fill with faith. And he filled Gideon with more faith. And despite all the doubts, Gideon remained faithful. See, being faithful, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's the absence of fear. It just assures you that there's something much more important than being afraid right now. It doesn't mean it removes you from the presence of danger. It just lets you know that it's more dangerous to disobey God. It's more dangerous to play it safe. It doesn't take away the possibility of loss. It just reminds us once again that you will lose 100% of the battles you choose not to fight. You'll lose 100% of the fears that you refuse to face. God is not looking for fearless people, y'all. He's looking for obedient people. That's all being faithful means. Faithfulness is just being obedient to what God has placed in your heart to do, and you do it. And when you do it, you have this newfound confidence and newfound courage because I know that God is with me, and I can walk through anything. And if I can walk through anything, 
he can speak to anything and he can he can speak and faith will be filled and I can be more faithful and every step that I take towards faith it's one less step towards fear that I don't have to take I gotta be faithful but what what if I look foolish though Jay what if I, what if I said that my step of faith is, is going back to school? What if I look foolish then? They might say I'm too old. They might say it's too late. What if I told her I want to make it work? What if I look foolish? What if, what if, what if I told him you'll have another chance? What if I look foolish? What, what, what if I look foolish handing in that application? What if I look foolish believing for that miracle? What if I look foolish praying for that, that neighbor? What if I look foolish sharing my faith with my family? What if I look foolish? Can I just say as your campus pastor, go ahead and look foolish. Because all faith is, is the willingness to look foolish before God. That's it. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I mean this with all sincerity. With all sincerity. Hear me. If you are unwilling to look foolish before God, you are foolish. You are foolish. That's it. Because it's the fear and the doubts and the terrors in our life that stands between you and the promises of God. And if you don't take a step of faith and be faithful, you will never see that other side. What you see in the start is not, what you see in the end is not always what it seems like in the start. Remember that. You're just starting. It's one step after the other, one step after the other. Maybe today that's exactly where you're at. Maybe today you're, you're taking that step of faith and saying, yes. I'm going to add another, another stamp on my passport, and I'm going to sign up for that mission trip. I'm scared to death because I don't like airplanes. I don't like being that high off the ground. But we got a missions table. Maybe it's time for you to take that step of faith. Maybe it's time for you to take the step of faith saying, yeah, I want to get plugged into a life group and community. Relationships has completely been horrible for me, but because God says it, I'm going to do it. Maybe your step of faith is saying, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite my neighbor to, to come sit with me this weekend. I'm going to go share my faith with my family members, with my coworkers. There's an old aphorism, no guts, no glory. If you don't have the guts to step out in faith, then God gets robbed of the glory he rightfully deserves. Look, I don't know where you're at, but everything starts at the altar. Everything. That's where it all began. That's where it all began for Gideon. What you see in the end is not always what it seems like in the start, but it started at the altar. For Gideon, maybe you've been coming here, and maybe you, you're hearing this for the first time, and you're, you've been trying to, to, to wrestle with this whole thing of being courageous on your own and living this life of faith on your own, and you can't muster up the strength to do it because you don't have the strength to do it. But God does. Just like what, what God told Gideon, I will be with you. Maybe your step of faith today is saying, I, I need to take a step of faith and placing my faith in Jesus Christ, his son, and allowing him to tear down whatever altar I have been running to, and I need to run back to the altar that he's calling me to. And today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and that's your step of faith in saying, God, I repent of my sin. 
I want to receive your forgiveness. I receive your new life. I want to be the altar of God that lives by faith. Let us know. In your program, there's a place to let us know. Come to the Race to Life banner after service. Take that next step of faith and have a conversation. Maybe you're here today and you've already made that decision, but there's some, there's some altars God's calling you to build. And maybe it starts with just at least believing what God has spoken in your life. You are a mighty warrior. Start acting like it. Start walking like it. Start talking like it. Start believing it. What is that step of faith that you've allowed fear to hold you back from? Those things are gone today. We believe that, and it starts right here. Look, when God shows up, he speaks, and I believe he is in this place, and he's ready to talk. And when he speaks, he fills with faith in order for us to be faithful. And so I want to allow that moment to take place. Allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. What is that step? Would you pray with me? We hope that you've enjoyed today's experience. We also hope that this message has challenged you and will encourage you in the upcoming week. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ today, congratulations. Welcome to the family and welcome home. One of the most important first steps that you can take is by letting us know. You can click the prayer tab or you can visit us at lifehousechurch.org. And if this message or ministry has blessed you in any way, feel free to partner with us financially. You can click on the Give tab or you can visit our website and click Give. We are so thankful that you joined us and we are thankful that you are part of our extended family. We can't wait to see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.